Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Dear Heavenly Father, in Psalms 23, you said that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. It really doesn't matter what's going on around us. Uh, you just invite us to move beyond distraction and just move up to the table because what you put on that table is your answer and your help and sustenance and light and direction for anything going on around us. We defy the enemy's um, claim on keeping us from the table. No, you won't. (laughs) No, Father has given us invitation to come. And so, Father, we're just so thankful for your word. Every day, it just helps us. It's It's our spiritual food and nourishment. It's our light. It's our strength. And it's our health. And so uh, we, we look into it today and we look for ways that we can honor you by doing it and not just um, listening to it and cataloging it someplace, but help us to find a handle on it and do it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right. Well, we're looking at um, the highest and the best today. And God's highest and best for us, our highest and best for God. And so uh, we're going to get right on into Matthew, the fifth chapter is is, um, a sermon, a long sermon of Jesus. You look at that in red letter, uh, and it's going to take up the chapter. And uh, Jesus is giving all kind of kingdom principles uh, to the people there. And um, in the 13th through the 16th verse, 15th verse, it, um, he identifies or characterizes his followers. All right, so let's listen. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And he goes on to say, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So if anybody can characterize followers of Jesus, it would have to be um, Jesus. He is very clear. This is This is who my followers are. This is you. You are the salt. So we're going to break this apart just a little bit and look at salt. So when he's telling us that we are salt, then let's just look at some characteristics. And whole sermons and studies have been given into salt and light, and it's really worth worth that. And uh, we're going to just trust the Lord for the portion that we're to look at today. But salt actually comes from the earth. And I did a a, a bit of study into this. Comes out of the ocean, but it also comes out of different places in the earth. The state that Tony comes from, which is not nearly as pretty as the state that I come from anyway. Just kidding, just kidding. Anyway, it actually is pretty. But one of the uh, massive, I don't know if you've ever heard of Morton Salt, but that's their, um, their salt mines there and if you've ever traveled across uh, uh, Utah on your way to Las Vegas, I don't know why anybody would do that. But anyway, from California to Las Vegas, you'd maybe go through Utah through the salt flats. You just see massive amounts of, of salt, just white. And um, so the salt actually comes from the earth and speaks to us of our connection, because he said, you are salt. So it speaks to us of our connection to the earth. 
uh, with people in our lives, with our jobs, schools, interaction, uh, with a as humans, as citizens of Australia. All right? So it speaks to us of our earth, from where we've come, from earth connection and our earth influence, okay? It has the ability to preserve uh, so that things don't go off and become putrid. It has the ability to cleanse. Uh, it requires contact to actually purify or cleanse. It doesn't do any of those capabilities in the box or in the mines or in the ocean. It has to have contact with what it is purifying or cleansing. And so uh, when Jesus prayed this, he said, I, in John 17, he said, I'm not asking you that you take, and he was praying for us, his followers. He said, I don't want you to take them out of the world. Why? Because salt loses its very purpose if it loses contact with the world. All right? So he said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm just asking you to protect them from the, from the wicked one. Um, it, it doesn't expire. There's no expiry date on a, on a box of salt. So um, it, it doesn't go off like that. It can change chemically. Uh, but it does not, I mean, you know, it can be just as salty and just as flavorful for a hundred years if it is not changed chemically, which happens if it's broken down with moisture and it is dissolved or compared. And so that tells us about salt that we are, that we are who we are, and only if it is broken down and compromised by spiritual ways of darkness, and in particular, fear. Fear will make us act like who we're not. It makes us act like somebody from someplace else, all right? From a different kingdom. It also, fear also uh, has a retracting uh, capability. Uh, it does that with a person. And um, salt has a problem with clumping. And so sometimes they add different things to salt to keep it from clumping. And so sometimes we as salt will tend to clump. What do we mean clump? We'll, we'll, we'll just hang together and be happy to be together and not happy to, to um, sprinkle out where we need to, to uh, keep things from putrefying and also to cleanse. All right? So this ability uh, uh, to preserve and to cleanse is um, is really personal and topical. It's very in contact. And it is very powerful. We'll look back at that in just a little bit. But let's look at the other thing that Jesus said that we are. We are light. Now, light is different because the light is from above. Where earth is from the earth, light is from above. We've got uh, two different kinds of light situations in here. We have light that is from, you know, these areas here, these little, um, uh, what, fixtures. Yeah, here's a word. Spotlights, thank you. But you don't depend on these to light the room. They're for ambience. And so when he is telling us that we're the light of the world, he doesn't just need ambience. He actually needs brilliance. And so uh, it, the light then is not from below. It is from above. If you'll just look up at the ceiling. Uh, there is, when we got these lights, because we had some other ones before that didn't have such a good spray, and uh, Mitch put some lights into, into our home because um, we were dealing with the same thing. They were too the spray of light, which I never even knew anything about. I found it highly interesting. Uh, a light can have a, a, a wider spray or it can be more uh, just direct down. And so we, uh, when we were looking for these lights, we were looking for lights that would, um, would fan out a little bit and, and cross so that you can get a, a, a consistent light across the, the auditorium. So people, you, 
can see. All right? But light where it is fixed in your home, unless it's an ambient light like a lamp or a little night light, is above. Why? Because you get the best effect of the light as far as being able to see. All right? So salt and light, it doesn't function. The light does not function under. It functions over. I'm talking about who we are, defined by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is regional as opposed to just topical and personal. Light is more regional and, and affects area. Um, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus according to Ephesians 2nd chapter and verse 6. So where he has seated us in Christ is up above and it is for the purpose not of just sitting on a cushy throne with a nice banner across and say, you know, we've been seated. It's actually a place of responsibility. And from that place, from that seat, we dispense light. All right? We function just like these lights function by electricity. We function by the power of God that's released in faith. We don't shine apart from him, like, like Alan was saying, apart from him, we can't do anything. And uh, these lights, if they're cut, uh, cut off from their source of electricity for a split second, they're out. And so we depend on, uh, on heaven's um, grace to enable us to give brilliance and help us to function. The faith that activates that power actually only works by love. So if we ever get out of love, we will not shine. That's just the deal. Faith works by love, and faith is what activates the power. So we have in this, in our capability as light, the ability to drive back darkness. I have damaged myself in this room before because <laughs> I was going by memory in the dark. I thought I know exactly how to get from that room right back here to that room back there. And I didn't take into account a whole row of chairs. And I walloped my shin fell across the, the seat. I was glad no one else was in here to see me. But, uh, you know, I was doing like this, doing like this, and I thought I was remembering how to do it. I've done it before. I've come up with a way to make my way in this room in the dark, and I start there, and I just go around the wall. I just keep the wall. That isn't the way that we're to go from one place to another. We actually just like, just turn the light on. I've heard my husband I've heard my husband in the other room when he has um, made contact with um, a footstool. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh. I, I, it's not right that I do, but his, his uh, screams of agony are just like, oh, man. So, okay, so this place, this function of light, can be compromised by not, uh, by not uh, knowing that you have that capability. So a believer being light may not actually function as much light simply because they are ignorant that they can be both salt and light. In the body of Christ... In the kingdom of God, we're not either or. We are and. We are salt and light. All right? Our influence, though, where it comes to light, is from above. And where we bring pressure or where we bring influence is from above. With salt, we bring it in personal connection and personal contact. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers, and then it gives these different areas 
of and these different echelon of, of spiritual wickedness. Um, if you're not functioning as light, you might as well just tear Ephesians 6 out of your Bible. You don't really need it if you're not going to do the light thing. It's a wonderful thing to just have the salt thing, but it's not our highest and best potential. Our highest and best potential is salt and light. And both are very powerful. The difference between salt and light could be like this. It's the difference between army boots on the ground and the Air Force air presence and dominance in the air. For a military, a good military campaign, it's just smart to have have, have both. Have, have on the ground, but also have that presence in the air. Both are powerful. Both are potentially devastating to the kingdom of darkness. Devastating, and it can stop darkness. So if you were the Lord of darkness, what would you do to try to, uh, to, try to um, lessen or neutralize these two elements that we are? Well, we're going to look at something that kingdom of darkness works to do and which I believe he will not be effective in doing because we're not ignorant of his devices by the help of the Holy Spirit, amen, and by his word. So the enemy works hard to compromise our highest and best potential. You can go ahead and put that uh, screen up, up in, the, up in the, um, that far corner there, the left-hand corner is Napoleon. And then we also, in the, the guy next to him is Machiavelli, and then Julius Caesar, and then don't you like that guy? I could have found a, 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 a more attractive picture of him, but I didn't want to. I, I actually, when I saw that one, I thought, no, that's the one I want. He's amazing, isn't he? And he is King Louis the, the 11th of France. And what do they have in common? They all use the divide and conquer strategy at some point to separate and weaken their enemies. All of those guys did. And other ones did too. These guys just had famous uh, ways of, uh, of claiming this divide and conquer strategy. So basically, and you, you can put the... Uh, uh, definition up. Basically, the divide and conquer strategy means breaking down a larger problem, task, or population into smaller, more manageable pieces, then take control of those pieces one by one. That's the divide and conquer strategy. Well, if you're dividing and conquering problems, you know, that's a nice thing. Just don't try to tackle the whole deal. Break it down. But when it comes to uh, the kingdom of darkness uh, endeavoring to, uh, to break something down so that he can weaken who we are as salt and light, he will uh, endeavor to use this strategy of divide and conquer. I'm going to read some more of what I studied on this divide and conquer strategy. Furthermore, in order to maintain power and influence, one government will often work to keep other powers and governments from uniting. In fact, this use of the principles within the divide and conquer strategy is most common. Now listen to this. It is much easier to prevent powers from linking forces than to break them apart once they have aligned. So, uh, the enemy would love to, to keep us from ever uniting and to keep us from ever bonding and walking in, in uh, unity because that's where the blessing is commanded and it's harder to break apart something that's already been united. So what does he do? What does he do uh, uh, for the divide and conquer strategy to, to work? Well, he works with diversity. 
He works with diversity. Uh, he magnifies diversity. And divi diversity is something that started actually with God and started in creation. When it came to trees, there's not just one kind. I don't you just love the variety? There's all kinds of, of kinds of grass. There's all kinds of flowers, all kinds of birds. And that's just in Australia. And if you step out of that, I mean, everywhere has such variety. It's beautiful. Our creator loves variety. There are no two people that are exactly alike. We are absolutely a variety of shades of color, heights, all different kinds of characteristics, and it was by his design that we are so. So diversity is something really precious, but people actually um, can get so they're not comfortable with diversity. They could be way more comfortable with the sameness. People that are more the same, all right? So people feud, fight, and go to war over diversities. Um, when I've gone over and over the, the characteristics of what Tony saw in his spirit when we were taking quite a bit of time praying before um, Rhema Family Church began. And he wrote down the characteristics of what he saw in a church. And you know what? It's hugely diverse, really big diversity. Um, there would be, there would be some wonderful wonderful strong churches that are mostly characterized by one age group or one uh, ethnic group or one other kind of demographic that they are this church or that church. What Tony saw in his church or in his heart was that we would be a church where everyone can be comfortable. Are we that? Well, I believe that is what the Lord Jesus desires and what would be pleasing to him. And so that is what is pleasing to us. That's what we want. And so there are some churches that represent Christians who hold a certain age, economic group, ethnic origin, language, or political party. There are some churches that I know that unless you're a particular political party, you don't go there. And so, uh, but that isn't, exactly what we see or what Tony saw from the Lord when this all started. Or that there would be, there would be even within the church, this church family, people with different convictions. Wow. So that's diversity. Now there's challenges in diversity. There's some significant challenges in diversity. Uh, because uh, it demands that we see people after the spirit then. I remember, um, I remember there was a lady that helped Tony and I with our children. She was like a grand grandmother to our children. Uh, um, um, Beatrice is her name. She was like their Italian grandmother. And they never ever lived close to their natural grandmother. So this lady in their life was very, very, very precious. Lady from Rome very godly. She had gone through our Bible school, a woman given to prayer, given to the word of God, praying often. And I loved her influence around my daughters. And it was just, she was a wonderful, wonderful. And I loved her influence in my kitchen. And she was a good cook. And, um, but anyway, um, it came around to uh, an election time. And the woman voted on the Communist Party, we were just like, how, how, how is that? And she was equally aghast that we weren't. She said, how can anybody who really loves Jesus not be communist? And we were like, oh, what planet did you come off of? Do we really want this woman around our children? But we were not working together 
because she was helping us do what we were doing in Rome and in the no also in northern Italy. And it was just like a part of our family. She wasn't helping us because our political parties were the same. We didn't even know it was that way. There was something else that had bonded us together. So, yes, there are challenges with diversity. But uh, it demands that we see people then after the spirit instead of just on the surface. It demands that you look deep, deeper than just skin deep. Demands that you look at somebody's heart. Man looketh on the outward appearance. This is even in the Old Testament. But uh, Samuel said, God looks on the heart. Or God said that to Samuel when he was going to anoint uh, David. So Jesus' followers, uh, when, he was, when he was in his ministry, had such a wide range of people in his disciples, but also his followers. He had extreme. And I, we've always desired to emulate him. We really want to emulate him. And he seemed to be pretty fine with it, pretty cool with it. He, uh, he, had, um, he had Rome sympathizers in his followers. And we, we, you have to remember, Rome was tyrannical. He had Rome sympathizers, and he ate with them. Rome sympathizers. And then he had Rome revolutionaries, also in the same lot. It's quite amazing. Despisers and sympathizers. The church in Corinth had, a, had people who um, offered food, to I ate food that had been offered to idols, and, and they, you know, bought that food and ate it. And then they had other people with convictions like, no, you don't eat food offered to idols. And basically what Paul said, he didn't, he didn't put a taboo on either thing. He just said, love each other. Why? Because love is the law that activates the power of God through faith that enables us to be light. So we are, he said, don't let, don't let disrespect for one another. When you find dif differences um, in racial or ethnic origin or financial demographic or uh, people's upbringing, you find diversity in each other. Don't, we don't fixate on the diversity. We respect people. Why? Because he does. Anything different than that is different than him. And I don't think any of us are ready to line up to say we want to be different than Jesus or Jesus take a clue from us because really we've got it all together. You could learn a couple things from us. No. He's got, he's got this, and we are salt and light. Look at Galatians, the third chapter, and verse 28. He says, We're no, we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female. And some of these things are big deals in different cultures because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ. Then Jesus said in, Ma in Mark, the third chapter, in verse 23, he said, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. It's a spiritual law. He was actually talking about the kingdom of darkness. But he said, a family or a kingdom divided against itself will fall. The devil knows that and so would try to just magnify diversity to get us to feud amongst ourselves so that we don't do higher kingdom agenda. But we're not ignorant of the devil's strategy. So his strategy is to draw attention and magnify diversity in a negative way. God uses diversity. When you look at the purpose and the plan of God, even uh, the, the main event that's happened so far has been the work of, of what, what happened in, in redemption. It wasn't just one person or it wasn't just one 
one line of thinking or some everything worked together to pull off God's purposes. God's not afraid of diversity because diversity started with him. So we don't have to be afraid because perfect love casts out fear. We just move on in, in love with him. Now, if we focus where we are different, we will break. We won't need to the devil to defeat us. We will wound each other. Uh, that's something that uh, in, our in our classes at in Rama, I can't remember which subject we bring this up, but it's, uh, it's on the subject of love. Um, a, chicken, a chicken farmer was telling me that if a chicken ever gets wounded in a chicken yard, you've got to get them out of there because uh, the other chickens will start pecking on it. And then what happens then, uh, the, the other chickens pecking on the wounded chicken or the sick chicken will get that chicken's blood on them. And then the other chickens will see the blood on them and will start picking on them. And you can wipe out a whole flock of, of chickens just picking on each other. <laughs> and then we're not even talking about a fox getting in there and tearing up the chickens. This is just chickens pecking on each other. So anyway... So we, will, uh, we want to focus where we are one, and then we won't break apart. Uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, put up that verse of scripture. I, therefore, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, my goodness, Paul, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope in the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and in all and living through all. Praise God. There's a lot of things one. Basically, the same what is one about us is him. There may be a lot of other things that are different about us, but what is one is him. And we can, we can move through uh, to, uh, with other people in the body of Christ who don't even see things exactly the same thing, the same way we do. And it doesn't have to uh, make us get our, our claws out. If we can locate him and draw the conversation away from things different to him and magnify him, isn't he a wonderful Lord? Lord, help us do that. As the kingdom of darkness is rallying and the forces of darkness are rallying, and I sense that in my heart in all, all, from uh, March the, in 2020, the Lord said there's a collaboration of operation in both kingdoms where different things are starting to come together in both kingdoms. This is not the time for the kingdom of, of light to be trying to find what's wrong with one another in the light. We need to be the light, be the salt, be the light, and, um, and be fierce in guarding that, fierce, because anything is a strategy of the devil to try to break us apart from his purposes and his plans. I want to tell you something that happened um, as far as potential. Tony's been thinking about this a lot on his own, and I have been on my own as well. Um, we, we're baby boomers, and a lot of you guys are baby boomer people. No? We're not boo baby boomers? We are baby boomers. We're baby boomers. But anyway... What's common about uh, what a baby boomer would have experienced 
is the Cold War. And um, if, if you're not a baby boomer, you know, it, it may not have, it may just be in movies or something. But it wasn't in a movie for us. And because Russia and America were at odds in this Cold War and other people uh, were affected collaterally, but uh, man alive, as a, as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, I was really, really conscious that at any time we could be nuked. <laughs> I, and I was aware of that, and I had a, I had a, a dealt with a fear of, um, and kids are dealing with different fears now. This is what I grew up with as a baby boomer back, back in the 60s and early 70s, and was, um, I had a terrible fear that the communists were going to take over America. And I had, um, I had read, um, my dad's magazines from um, Open Door Ministry, you know, to the people who were persecuted in different places of the world. And um, I really identified with them because there would always be a pastor in there that was in prison to pray for. And his eyes would have been, you know, there would have been a black uh, square on the, on the photograph to block out his identity. And then it would show a picture of his family who no longer had anybody to provide for them. And it would be a, a wife and, you know, and, and a babushka type of a dad and, and, and four or five kids or something like that. And I thought, yeah, there's five kids in our Pentecostal family and they're going to get my dad and, and I'm going to, you know, we won't have food. And it, it was a real it was a real thing. And I started hoarding food in our attic. And um, it went on for a year. And I, I hoarded cans and stuff that went off because I didn't really realize that it would go off. <laughs> I was just trying to save the day for the family. And we, you know, we uh, were a part of a, fa uh, a food corps thing that you got food in bulk and I took off you, you know boxes of stuff that my family didn't really realize you know where it went just seemed they just thought that it, we were eating it quickly <laughs> and I stored it up in the attic and I would take money from my dad's billfold and my mother's billfold and and any money I'd find around the house and stuff I started collecting it because I thought if, if we get taken over, you know, we've got to have something. And, um, and I used to practice in the, in the laundry chutes, uh, suspending myself in the laundry chutes, see how long I could suspend myself there in the laundry chute is to hide from the communists. <laughs> They're coming, and I hid Bibles in different places because I knew that they would come and take our Bibles and burn them in the streets, you know, and stuff. You know, I just... I had pictured all of this. It was very real to me, very real. And then my brother went up in the attic to go find something, and he came on this massive stash of food. And he asked Mom and Daddy what it was, and of the five kids, I was most prone towards that. They said, what have you done? And I told them why. They said, oh, Patsy. I said, well, being that you found that, I might as well tell you I've also taken money. And we lived in a, we had a basement in our house, and we carpeted the whole basement with the money I'd saved. <laughs> I'm just saying these things were really real. When in 1980, um, Brother Hagen started leading us in prayer. When I say leading us in prayer, it was helping us to pray a different way that we had not ever really prayed before. He would say, pray this way. It was almost like putting food in it, new food in a baby's mouth. At first, they spit it out because it tastes different. Then you just scoop it off their chin and poke it back in. And in prayer can be like that, too. Say this. And he had us start praying 
according to the Bible, First Timothy, the, the second chapter, starting in verse 1, verse 4, praying for kings and for all that are in authority that we might lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We started praying, and I've talked to people that were back in those days. We prayed those prayers for what was known then as the USSR. People wouldn't know that now, but it was the it was uh, the USSR and the Eastern Bloc countries were all united under communism. And we prayed perpetually for that part of the world. Not against it. We prayed for the people in that part of the world that they would come to know Jesus, that there would become the reign of the Holy Spirit upon them. We prayed persistently. What? For 15 minutes? No. For a seminar? No. We prayed for years. Years, years. And he'd, he'd say, we can't leave tonight until we pray for the USSR. I'm telling you this story because I've been, I, I believe, reminded of the Lord, of the highest potential of what can happen if the body of Christ is, a, is light and functions as light, not just salt, but also light. It affects regions. We weren't the only people praying. We found out there was a massive prayer surge orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And people prayed. I remember we had cutouts of, of, of the countries on the walls. And people would just lay on those walls with tears coming down their face and pray for those people in those countries that the, that the communism and the Iron Curtain had blocked. Years later, I went to, um, I went to, uh, it was 1985, I believe, 84. I went to Russia on a mi in a missions trip. We took some plates uh, that we had picked up in Helsinki there was a uh, prayer group in Helsinki uh, of Brother Hagen's books on the authority of the believer and a couple other books, and we smuggled them into Russia. And I just, I just loved it. I just loved it. We, uh, we had to sneak them in. You know, we had to pray. You know, as they were getting in, we had some other things that we were sneaking into the to underground churches. And then we went to an underground church, and we had to sneak. Oh, it was just so wonderful. I love that kind of thing. We had such glorious time, uh, and that's a, a whole story in itself. But while we were there, um, I remember praying there, and then I remember when Tony and I came just a few years later, and there was no communism. And our not none, and not because there had been some horrible war to to stop it, there had not been any bloodshed, none. It had just unraveled. It had just had unraveled, and it involved leaders that would have never sat at the same table, came and sat at the same table. It involved unlikely things happening and it involved uh, the people of East and West Germany who had completely lost hope for reunification and suddenly there was this thing that came up in them of desiring it and all amazing how the Holy Ghost moved upon the masses of people. It wasn't just government people. It was the masses of people and he moved on countries like Hungary where strategic in, in perestroika and then in also glasnost. It was incredible to be a part of what is just like, ho-hum, yon-yon-yon, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was there, and I saw what was an 
iron curtain an iron curtain i remember walking the streets in russia in places i wasn't supposed to be where there was not one human with a smile on their face not one dead face you look in the stores there was nothing in the stores people would be in a in a a, a line for bread all the way down the block what i you, you see those things you smell those things and it affects you and i saw what the church because the church took their place in the heavenlies thank god for ephesians 1:17 and to 23 and Ephesians 2 6 but who needs that unless we're gonna do it unless we're gonna do it I believe he needs us to be our highest and best let's be salt let's influence every day in our lives in the way that we represent Jesus in our convictions, it's okay to have convictions. And different ones in our own church have different convictions about even things that are going on right now. That's not, that's not to be an issue. What is an issue is that we walk in love, use our faith, and let's do the work of the kingdom to bring change in Australia and in this part of the world, and any other place that God needs us to do. We have got work to do. And he needs us as the kingdom of God to not, bro not break apart. Let's be together. Let's pray for one another. Let's believe in one another. Let's believe that he that began a good work in us will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? And if you guys will come, you know, um, and Andrew wrote a song a long time ago because he heard a great, heard great teaching and got a revelation on it. You came to earth. You came to earth. You conquered death. <laughs> you rose again victorious. Triumphantly. Okay, just do it. S do, say it in the mic. When trials come, I'll do the same. As you are so mine. Really? Those are Bible verses. As you are, so am I. As you are, so am I in this world. As you are, so am I. Keep going. For you have risen. Yes. Seated in heavenly places. That's the biggest thing. Keep going. Seated in heavenly places. Yes, he is. So glory, yeah. And you have risen. You sang it in my key, didn't you? You've raised us. seated not in an easy chair it's in a reigning chair and he raised us and made us sit together with him in heavenly places to reign we've got a job to do this country is called we're going to pray now for um, Victoria 
This country is called Great Southland of the Holy Spirit. And there was, uh, Andrew was leading in prayer a while back and prayed those, the, the, that title, and there was a prophetic anointing on it. I thought, isn't that something that God, God um, calls things that be not as though they already are? <laughs> we look at Australia right now, bless its heart. We've got people calling and writing us from all around the world. I just got another one from Italy yesterday. He said, what in the world is going on? There, we're being called a police state in Europe. And it, you know, wow. They're going, what in the world is going on? Doesn't look like the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. But that's why he called it Great Southland of the Holy Spirit. He needs somebody to not wait until they it looks that way to call it that. He needs somebody to say it in faith. Can we just do that today? That's our prayer today. Uh, we're going to pray for, um, we're going to take our place as light, and we're praying for that state. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, go ahead and sing a little bit. And we'll, we'll sing that song across the continuation.
to use authority in your name so your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for Australia again today and boldly call it the great south land of the Holy Spirit. We believe and we are believing for everything that is necessary to bring those words to pass. Any miracles, any changes, all changes amongst the people and in government in every other way. We specifically pray for Victoria today, Lord. We're praying for the body of Christ there. We're asking you to give them direction and boldness to preach your word, boldness in prayer, and give them the revelation of who they are in Christ. Give wisdom from above to their leaders in Jesus' name. We are in agreement with believers there in Victoria who are exercising kingdom authority over spirits that are driving unrest right now in different ways in Jesus' name. And we declare that Victoria will be victorious in Jesus' name and is a part of this great south land of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let's just lift up our hands and let's just thank God. God is helping, is moving. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for helping our brothers and sisters in South, in, in South Australia, in Victoria. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Amen. If 
you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.